Welcome to the Back to the 80s radio show. Thank you for joining us from wherever you are, whoever you are. A big shout out to everybody listening from every corner of this globe. Thank you for taking your time. Oh, yeah. First of all, we're going to be talking about bands from the 1980s, of course, as we always do, but bands that were born in the city of New York. We have an amazing guest. Do not miss the show, because with us is former member of Journey from 98 to 2006, Steve Ogieri. Now, before we get started, I want to make some announcements, one of them being that we have been hacked, and I'll talk to you guys more about that in, the, in just a second. But we Cyber can't bag. Yeah, we cannot do this show alone. We must introduce a man who has done more mischief in the 80s than Dennis the Menace. We call him the Chang. I am the Chang, the wild thing, and I am always riding alongside my most favorite Italian besides Chef Boyardee. I also want to thank you guys because you guys listening to us wherever you are, whether it be in the car, in the gym, at home, or at the airport, it doesn't matter. You guys are our most valued guests. So thank you for joining us here on Back to the 80s Radio. You're listening to Back to the 80s. Tuscana, wouldn't you say it's always nice to be heard on your device? Oh, Oof. it's always nice. Especially but I did because rap we... at one time. You know that, right? Uh, did you really? Yes, I used to gift wrap at Mervyn's uh, during Christmas. I thought you worked for the Salvation Army. I was a corporal in the Kiss Army. Yes, really? the Kiss Army. Even after they took their makeup off, huh? No, once Kiss took their makeup off, now here's here's the funny scenario about Kiss taking their makeup off, which is funny and ironic that they are also a New York band, such like the New York Dolls yes. with David Johansson. Anyway, when Kiss took their makeup off, I found myself bewildered, not only from the fear of their hideous faces, but yet their beautiful <laughs> hair. Uh, I'd say maybe the second album after they revealed themselves to be more than just uh, a cartoon picture uh, there was uh, a change in the band uh, different drummer different guitar player uh, they kind of stepped it up musician wise and uh, some of the songs off uh, uh, I'd say their second album were pretty good and if you put them in a comparison all their own away from what Kiss had done with the makeup and their first pretty album uh, lick it up so you didn't like that album uh, I was not a fan of Lick It Up because uh, Lick It Up, the way that the guys from Kiss dressed, especially Paul Stanley. Paul Stanley, once he took his makeup off and he started dressing, he looked a lot like my ex-wife, my daughter's mother. And I found it really scary. I remember you hating on Kiss for a long time. Thank you. Because I am in agreement with you for the first time probably ever. About a week ago, I started listening to some, well, I started watching some of Kiss videos from the 80s without their makeup. And I ran across a song called Reason to Live. I'm going to tell you, 
it sounded like a song that would be sung by Bon Jovi or Poison. It was so glam metal that I literally only watched a quarter of the video. I couldn't watch it all. Not once again. The song was good. The melody is good. It was a catchy tune. But I couldn't stand watching Kiss in that way. Funny thing is that in the video, Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons were acting just the way they did when they had their makeup on. So mm. they're acting really yes. hardcore rocker, but without their makeup. And singing this particular song, it was a recipe that I just couldn't make at home, if, I, if you know what I mean. I know what you mean. Now, let me ask you this while we're talking about Kiss. Like I did, like I did mention, I did like their second album. I liked when Gene Simmons grew his beard out and he started wearing like a denim cut off jacket. He started looking like, okay, you know, you might be a tough guy. You know what I mean? Of course, that's when he started going out with Shannon Tweed. My God, did I have a crush on her in the 80s? But that's another show. I had more respect for Kiss after Lick It Up. Prior to coming back in makeup after you fire two of your original bandmates who were those characters in makeup, and then you come up with this gimmick to bypass who the original members were and their musicianship that they added in the collaboration to create Kiss, as we can get two other guys in here to fill you in and just put makeup on and pretend you were never here. Oh my God, did I just explain in, what, two minutes my hate of Gene Simmons and that band? Really quick, I enjoyed their music after Lick It Up. It, Lick It Up was too much glam metal, and we've gone back and forth what I think about glam metal. Uh, once again, Lick It Up, I believe, is, is a great album. But I don't believe I can, But I can tell you, of course you don't. I don't think it made too much sense for me, and I am one who loves glam bands, and I like hair metal, and I also like metal. That's, you know, bro, it's a sign of the times. Everybody during the 80s that was a metal sellout, at one time and i'm even going to go on a limb and say not a limb but it is the truth anybody that is a judas priest fan such as me but i will say this everybody was touched in the 80s by glamour by pop notoriety everybody yeah by if, the change by the change that uh, metal and rock the way that they morphed into something else uh because they wanted to uh, and I'm talking about the big wigs behind the bands and, and the ones that yeah, are paying yeah. the bills uh, because they want to be of the criteria, my yeah. friend. So they wanted to attract a different market. We've talked about this before. They attracted a different market. By doing so, what happens? You destroy a whole genre and outcomes, uh, just a bunch of stuff that uh, was never there. And then that stuff will morph. It's You know what? It's kind of like COVID. COVID comes yeah. out, screws everything up. And then what happens? It morphs into something else. Don't go away because when we come back here on Back to the 80s Radio, we are going to be talking to Steve Augeri, the former member of Journey. You are listening right now to something from Kiss off of Lick It Up. And here is something from, oh, God, the first rapper possibly? Or was she a goddess? Something from Blondie.
Hits 92.5, where we keep the 80s vibe alive. You are with Toscano and Chang, and that was Call Me. Oh, I'd call you a thousand times over, Blondie. And oh, yes, something from Kiss. And we went with the title track from Lick It Up with Lick It Up. Before the break, we promised you that we would have a special guest. That's right. With us on the show right now is former Journey lead vocalist, Giving the world a reason to rock since the 70s. Now, he was with Journey from 98 to 06. And before that, he was even founding member of epic recording artist Tall Stories. The one and only Steve Ajeri on Back to the 80s Radio. Thank you, Steve. Holy smokes. What a what a beautiful buildup. Hey, everybody. How you doing, <laughs> gentlemen? How you feeling? How you doing today? Steve, we are tickled pink for two reasons. Because we get to bring our, our beautiful listeners another show, but because we have greatness on the other side of the microphone, which we get to interview you. I know our listeners are going to dig your vibe and everything you have to say. And we want to let our, our address our listeners. It is this gentleman's birthday. So please hit us on our social media and wish Steve a happy birthday and thank him for his music. And if you don't, I will find you and I will beat you all with your own hands. No cake for you. No cake. Hey, no ice cream <laughs> cake. Let's kick this all off by having you talk to us about the boy, Steve Ogeri. First of all, all right, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm going to throw a wrench in your works and I'm going to tell you why I'm doing this little press junket. And it's because I've just released a brand new record by the name of Seven Ways Till Sunday. And hence, that's why we're talking to each other. And I think you could find some, um, actually, anywhere from 70s and 80s to 90s uh, influences on the record. But I think you'll find some really nice little sounds and, and some flavors from the 80s that carry over, like, let's say the best of the 80s that carries over into the record. And, I, and so that's why we're here. So you want to go back into my childhood. Well, I was born in Brooklyn, New York, in Bensonhurst, which is known for its greatest pizza. It's greatest cannolis. Hey. And, and unfortunately, one too many gangsters and mobsters. So I kind of I, I escaped a possible fate. And thank God for music, because it truly did uh, pluck me from the, the grasp of a possible a life of crime and a life of, uh, of, well, let's just say I'm still living and breathing where I, I've known way too many folks that I, my peers that I grew up with that are not with us today. So music truly did save my life. Who was the first individual that opened your mind and opened your soul to music? Would that be a teacher, a parent, uh, somebody you heard on the radio? I have to say my uncle grabbed my cousin and I by the scruff of the neck. We were watching the headless horseman on Disney on one Sunday evening. It was the Headless Horseman. It was fantastic. We were watching uh, Ichabod Crane run through the forest with a, you know, holding a head and with a pumpkin on his, you know, where his head used to be. And we were enjoying ourselves. And he picked oh, yeah. us up, scruff of the neck, and he brought us into another room where he was watching Ed Sullivan and the Beatles were on. That had a huge impact on my life, as it did thousands of thousands of Americans. Th these Brits come over. And uh, it, it sparked something in me, as it did, like I said, to so many Americans, that I, I absolutely wanted to, to make music. That sparked it. That inspired me. And he went out and bought us uh, $15 guitars out of the Sears Roebuck catalog. All of $15. 
you know, we started writing and singing songs and being silly and playing in front of the mirror and uh, pretending we were, you know, John Lennon, uh, John and Paul and Ringo and uh, George, of course. And uh, thank you very much. And that started very good. <laughs> so that started the ball rolling for sure. Now, during that time, what type of the bands were were you in once you started getting that influence and developing the skills and and the talent? What type of bands did you did you first ex- have your experiences in music? So then the very first real band, and I think it was around 15 years old, is when I really made a commitment and I knew that I wanted to do this for the rest of my life. And I had a wonderful band and we were doing, aside from playing Rush and Led Zeppelin and uh, Kiss and Queen covers and and uh, Black Sabbath covers. And it was a three piece band. Uh, we were writing. We started writing our own music because we knew even then you, you just we wanted to make a, a future of this and, and a, a possible profession. So we started writing back then and with those great influences of those great classic rock bands from the late, you know, from the 70s. Well, uh, even from the late 60s to the 70s. And so, frankly, that was really, you know, that sparked yet another spark and catapulted us, you know, to the next the next level. During the 80s, what type of bands were of the popular sound where you were uh, first starting to make music right there in, in New York? Well, to be very f- honest with you, so I had... I had my education or I, I had my, not my fill, but I had a great, the late seventies or the seventies, I had all the great hard rock experience. And I really, uh, when, when music changes as it did, and it started going into a more progressive, modern new wave punk thing, living in New York city, we were, you know, we were in the middle of it. We were at ground zero. Uh, just like L.A. Or, or London. So I had great influences anywhere from Peter Gabriel's great records that he did then, Police, U2, Simple Minds, just to name a couple. I mean, the Rhythmics. I absolutely fell in love with the quality, the, the stuff that talked to me out of that genre. And so that had a big, those, that style of music had a big influence on me as well. Can you... Uh elaborate a little bit on the first time that you got to actually play on a big stage. First of all, who that was, where it was, and some of the feelings that you experienced during that time. Yeah, actually, this is very interesting and kind of important in my timeline was that um, in 1984, speaking of the 80s, um, I was contacted to not even audition, just to work with Michael, the Michael Schenker group and sing background vocals. They were looking for somebody to sing background vocals as well as play guitar. So they flew me out from New York. I think it was the first time I went out to, to the West Coast, to L.A. And uh, I met Bob Tench, uh, the famous Bob Tench of the Jeff Beck group. And, and he was doing he was doing that part with Michael. And uh, he taught me the ropes. I want to say that the name of the venue was the Palladium in L.A. So I was backstage and I was with Bob and and he was teaching me all the little ins and outs of the job. So I went out on the road for about, I think, a month and a half to two months with Michael. And we were opening a, a month was with just Michael in some small clubs and small theaters. And then we got picked up by Ted Nugent as an opening act. I'd go out and I would sing behind 
stacks of Marshall amplifiers, and I would sing in um, in corridors or or uh, stairwells, anywhere off stage because I was just a background vocalist. It's you know rock and roll had an image. You don't have a guy out there shaking his tuchus, you know, just singing background vocals and shanking the tambourine. You know, that was where I got a, a thrust into quasi you know, big stages. And we did do a lot of arenas with, uh, with Ted and Ted used to sneak up behind me. Now, now imagine I'm in behind a, a row of martial amplification and I, I felt this huge looming presence behind me while I'm singing or in between lines of the song. And I turn around, it was big Ted and he was just looking down at me and, and he tapped me on the back and he said, Son, someday you're going to be, don't worry, you're going to be in the front. You're going to be in the front of the stage and center stage doing that. Wow. And, wow. Uh, you know, regardless of what anybody thinks of Ted's politics or this and that, we don't want to mix politics with entertainment and music. That stuck with me. And that will always be uh, a catalyst and an inspiration to me because he was kind enough to say that to me. And, it, and I held that true. You know, when I wake up and I'm having a bad day, I'll think back of, you know, somebody patting you on the back and giving you a little encouragement. How was Michael? Was Michael an OK guy? Was he a bit uptight? Was uh, nope. uh, at the time uh, Michael was he was. Well, first of all, he was just brilliant to watch every night. And to this day, I, I took away, you know, I always think of his beautiful tone and which is so, such a signature tone. And if you hear uh, my new record, Seven Ways to Sunday, I copped his tone in a couple of places in a couple of songs because that stayed with me in that wonderful tone. Um, he's a master. That was a great part of, of my life and experience. That was the first time I was out on a proper tour, uh, you know, hotel to hotel and uh, bus ride to bus ride. And um, quite interesting. Michael was great. Since this is a show where we usually just focus on the 80s, let me, let me ask you about the whole decade of the 80s what it meant to you as a professional, as a musician, what it all encompassed as a feeling to you now that you look back at it? Well, it, well, let me say that uh, because uh, I can only tell you what was going on in New York City. Uh, and so that was my experience. We were still going out to nightclubs and there were still nightclubs to go out to, uh, wonderful nightclubs. Uh, rock and roll clubs. Um, I think back then the Palladium, which was actually the Academy of Music, uh, that was a wonderful venue. Now the only venue in New York City like that is uh, up, uptown called the Beacon Theater. But I saw some really, really great music in the 80s in New York City. Yeah, I miss that a great deal. You know, when you, when you age and you put a few years on you, yeah. you know, you see your life go by in stages and by far the 80s were were a great era for me but again not exactly what you might expect from a hard rock or somebody that may have sang with journey i had a great many influences coming in or at least i opened my mind to a lot of different musics for example uh, one of my i think one of the greatest records that came out of that period and i hope it wasn't in the late 70s but i'm thinking about bands like the sex pistols you know the first pistols record we were still listening we were listening to the clash in the 80s you know the best of the best and i'm trying to think of i mean and even so so think of hard rock bands they're evolving and they're adapting to newer sounds so even the who would come out and Pete townsend would write you know records 
he put out a, a solo record that was phenomenal. Oh, mm-hmm. Roxy Music, Avalon. Roxy Music's a great band. Well, and that particular record during that era was incredible. Uh, what really sticks with me, and I can't remember, of course, the police and you too, because they were huge influences on me and, and, and music in general. They were so huge. But Peter Gabriel, there's two records that one was in, I think it was Security, and the other one was So. That was so tremendous, and I absolutely loved them. So that t- I took those kind of uh, influences and I brought it forward with me into the 90s and then, then you know, to, to current day. Seeing that you ventured into the music business, you know, pretty much majority of your life and you were in New York and L.A. and New York, they're two different monsters, correct? Music wise. Did you guys notice the difference between music business, even in New York or the sound and the uh, and the style when grunge came in? Are you one of these rockers? Like my partner, Mario, who says grunge killed everything and grunge sucks. <laughs> Steve, he's absolutely right. I did say that. Uh, okay. I, here's what I know as just an, as an observer. And of course, I was, we were dead smack in the middle of it because we've, we worked hard all our lives. We got signed to Epic Records. We were supposed to release a record and they shelved it for a year. And then when they decided to release the record, they released it the same exact release day as Pearl Jam. Mm. So we were, <laughs> wow. We were, things were looking bleak for us. Great job. Epic. Yeah. So <laughs> had they released it a year earlier, we would have been just fine because it was a fine band and it was a really good record. It was critic by the critics. I think it was really well received. However, music changed. And I'll tell you another thing. I understand I wish they hadn't changed so drastically, but that's what they did. And we were in the we were smack dab in the middle of it. And we felt the brunt of it because that was the beginning of the end of bands, our style. Now, I want to defend the band told stories. We were not a hair band per se. We were just a band. We were just musicians and we really didn't take. Well, yeah, I mean, everybody, you have to be a little fashionable and that keeps you competitive. But we didn't emphasize the, the hairspray, if you know what I mean, and yeah. the spandings. So we Thank were, we were and in and living in New York, you, I can only say just because we, I do, I was born and raised here. Things, you know, we evolved with the times and we were just producing music that we thought was timely. And we got, we got um, caught up in the whole, <laughs> see the toilet bowl swirling yeah. around. Yeah. We went down <laughs> with all the troops and that's just the way it was. Now, getting to grunge, so at first, of course, uh, human nature would you'd poo-poo it because it just stuck a dagger in you and twisted the blade. But bands like uh, Soundgarden, I mean, they were, they were one of the finest bands. Of, I mean, that I, I adored them. You know, Chris Cornell, I adored his voice, and I, that, that band talked to me. So uh, I could never say, say a bad thing about uh, music changing as we talk about challenges throughout the music industry, what is the greatest challenge that you experienced while you were on tour? It was sustaining and uh, singing five shows a week. Going from, oh, well, let me put it to you this way. So I went from singing a show a week, once a week, like a weekend warrior, and going out there and going full tilt 200%. And by the end of the show, you know, you, your voice would be in tatters because 
you didn't have to wake up the next day or the next day and do it over and over and over again. So when, when I got thrown into the, the deep end of the pool and into the, uh, as a real true professional, I had to step up my game and I had to go see, uh, you know, uh, great music uh, vocal teachers and great vocal therapists to put me on the right path and to strengthen my instrument. And, and, you know, that holds up for a while until it doesn't. And the, so the challenge was doing it night after night, after night, after night. So you can only do what you can, you can control just so much. And so you can control what uh, yourself and where you put yourself in certain predicaments and situations you have to eat properly exercise uh stay out of the bars stay away from cigarettes and alcohol uh stay away from parties and yeah. uh very boring life in fact it's almost a life of a, of a monk but that's what it takes and but however uh sometimes it catches up to you and that's exactly what happened to me after eight years it caught up to me to the point where i needed to step out of the batter's box and get healthy again and it took about a, a year to get the voice back into shape. And, and I'm, I'm one of the fortunate few, you know, some people step out and they're damaged for, you know, the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. I had a great doctor that says you need to zip it. And so I zipped it and took care of myself. I was able to come out and live another day, you know. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned this because I was reading a lot of the comments that people have been leaving there's a lot of people who who love you a lot out there and uh, it was particularly one one person who said it's a shame that the band wouldn't let him rest his voice now that you mentioned that he is an an incredible singer and i wish we had more of him today and i just think that is a testament to the footprint that you have left in your career in people's hearts and that is so important because of so much is missing today with music in, in artists, no matter how good artists may be today and, and the music that they are putting forth. There was just something there about artists such as yourself that have produced and left a mark in, in the hearts and souls of people. Because, you know, we all know that music, music is powerful and it changes people. And when you have an artist that has that same power, you know, I remember Survivor used to have this song. Oh, uh, I know. I know you, he's the hater of Survivor. Survivor had a Great song man. called, it's a singer, not the song. Right. Mm-hmm. And oh, did Jimmy Jameson sing that? Yes. Yes, he did. And yeah, because I've seen, I, I used to be dear friend with him, a friends of him or a very good acquaintances. So, and he sang the heck out of it. Yeah. And, and that just it reminds me of what you're doing that uh, just as as well produced and as great as music is and is written at the end of the day people know the singer on behalf of the fans that have been writing in i just want to thank you for that legacy that you are putting forth and will leave for the other generations that's incredibly generous and complimentary i appreciate that i do i just want to just say that thank you very much i have to say uh, your question earlier was what was the most uh you know what was most challenging and and, and it was truly walking into a situation uh, one of, with one of the world's if not america's certainly premier rock and roll bands certainly top three bands and 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 they're around 50 years congratulations gentlemen uh, 50 years this year and walking in and, and trying to replace somebody that's 
irreplaceable. And so that was the biggest challenge. um, And it was a doozy. So, however, I have the fans and and they started in a small group, you know, and just you could probably count them on one hand. And with every show and every week and month and year that went by, uh, we gained or they gained a little more confidence confidence in me and uh, gave me a little bit more leeway or a little open their minds and their hearts to something different. Change is is an incredible thing. It's not easy to change. However, we must always, things must move forward. But uh, I'll be the first one to tell you, I don't think I would have, you know, I I wouldn't have allowed anybody you know, into my world, my musical world, and, uh, and uh, accept it that quickly and that easily. So, so it took eight years. We went from 1,500 seat, beautiful vaudeville theaters around the country to 15,000 seat um, sheds, uh, amphitheaters, and as, as many as, you know, 70,000 festival. And so it was a pretty wonderful experience and it took time. And it took a lot of work and a lot of determination, but I have the fans to thank at least 50%. I mean, I had, I put the work in, so I'm not going to take, I have to, I don't want to sell myself short, but without the fans, you have nothing. You know, you could sing in in your shower, which I love doing, but Mm. boy, there's nothing like to an audience (laughs) and there's nothing like, uh, you know, getting that love and that feedback. So thank, thank you, Journey fans forever let's take a quick break when we come back there's more of steve ogeri so don't go away radio is so much different than it was in the 80s we had it all the music the movies the djs and morning shows back to the 80s radio is a show from the 80s in podcast form we bring the memories from that awesome decade back join toscano and chang every friday as they take you on a ride back in time sharing their experiences and laughs Stop on by and discover some of the wacky things this crazy duo comes up with. They talk about it all, the good, the bad, and the ugly of the greatest decade. Don't miss the greatest 80s podcast in the world. Back to the 80s Radio. Welcome back to Back to the 80s Radio, hosted by yours truly, Toscano and Chang. And we are joined in studio by a legend. That's right, a legend. Now, Mr. Steve, please (laughs) tell us about the Party Gras. And I know you've got a new sensational album. I mean... This show could continue, I'd say, for a couple of hours. Maybe we could have some birthday cake. Maybe we could have Mario jump out of a cake for you. <laughs> but Steve, please, can you tell us a little bit about uh, Party Gras uh, and your new album? And if you could let our lovely listeners know what nowadays keeps you motivated to keep doing you. I'm so excited about this summer. Um, I got a phone call a few weeks back uh, from Brett. Brett Michaels, whom I've known over the last few years, um, and we've had, I've had the pleasure of doing a show here and there with him, and uh, we developed, a, you know, a, a respectful relationship, you know, at a distance. But uh, you know, I have great respect for him, and I and I think the same is with him. And he included me; he invited me to join him on the this wonderful party gras, uh, two thousand twenty-three, with. Um, him and his sensational band, as well as Mark McGrath, who is a, a Huntington boy. He's just such a, a splendid uh, human being. I love him to death. Uh, Mark and Night Ranger and Jefferson Starship. And uh, it's just going to be a blast. And right now it's mainly on the East Coast, up and down the East Coast. But there's always a chance that it expands and maybe we could get out West. I'd love to do that with him because 
he's just a blast and, uh, and it's just going to be a great time. So that's the party gras. And uh, if you guys are listening anywhere on the East Coast, look for us. We're going to be uh, doing three shows a week for about a month and it's going to be a blast. Oh, they're definitely listening back east, especially for Brooklyn. We have a huge fan base. Forget about how you doing, huh? <laughs> okay. So, yes. So, we're actually three days in or so. The record is out. Um, I released three singles. The first one being If You Want, which is a real 80s style song. And it has an absolutely 80s style saxophone in it, which is kind of reminiscent of uh, In Excess, uh, Quarter Flash. In fact, man, I was listening to In Excess yesterday. How great was that band from? Oh Netflix? my gosh! The first, uh, the first leadoff song on the record. It's it's uh, what do they call it? Uh, the title, the running, the initial title was uh, Spring Fighters. But the, the, the point is, it was it's a mashup between a Bruce Springsteen song and a Foo Fighters song. It's mm. called Magic. It's got a real super duper '80s feel to that. Those are at least two songs that I think will, if you dig the 80s, if you dig that sound, that vibe, there's a couple of things on the record that you, I hope you like. Anyway, so um, that was If You Want, then we released a ballad called Bated Breath. And then with the record release on the 27th, I released a new song co-written with none other than the fabulous Jonathan Cain of Journey. And it's called Never Far From Home. The record is available at steveorgeri.com it's a uh, four cds if you guys like to hold the cd and and look at the back and front covers etc etc the fold out and then it's of course available on all the platforms streaming platforms and uh purchase it itunes and amazons and all the like it's out there now and if you're on a budget you guys go to youtube and just listen to it on youtube say hello leave a comment i'll even take the bad comments too because <laughs> i take listen mm -hmm. Constructive criticism is, a, is, is okay. I have a thick skin. Steve, you have a song there that I really liked. I was listening to your album. There's a song called Unanswered Prayers. That really struck a chord with me. So if you get a chance, uh, everybody that's listening, go out there right now and buy the CDs. Seven Ways Till Sunday. And you got to visit him on his website for all the dates for his tour at steveaugeri.com. I mean, I really hope that we get a chance to go uh, check out one of the shows, especially here in Southern California. If we can go visit you in India, that'd be great. And if you're interested in knowing more about Steve Augeri, the career, the man, the myth, the legend, check out Steve Augeri. I just want to say that song that you mentioned, Unanswered Prayers, there's a gal singing on it background vocals yes that is the beauty the amazing voice of elo's evil woman oh. if you ever listen and analyze that there's a gal her name is marge raymond uh, she used to sing with a band called the flame she used to sing she used to be known as little margie back in the day uh she used mm -hmm. to sing demos in the brill building if you have know anything about musical history in new york city so anyway this new album that you created where did you get uh, a lot of these inspirations for the songs. Uh, I know uh, when you write a song or a poem, uh, it's a testament of something that you're going through or you've gone through, your emotional balance through it. What kind of experiences led you to create uh, some of the music that you put on these tracks? And have you ever thought of maybe doing a album of covers of uh, legends and classic music that you had heard with your own rendition. I don't want to 
be sound negative. I don't want even want to mention the word pandemic or COVID. But three, you know, when when we got shut down and the when the the world came to a screeching halt, yeah, that inspired me to j- just do the record in general, to grab some songs from my past and history that never saw the light of day, as well as it. it uh, can you imagine uh, going from a performing mode? immediately like turning a button switching on a button or a, a, a toggle switch on your last Paul and go straight into writing that's what happened I was so inspired by thinking oh my god this might be the last song I ever write and record if that doesn't get your creative juices flowing I don't I don't know what will at least a third of the record was getting shut down and thinking that this is the end of the world you know mm-hmm. and then try to write a without uh, being too negative and too, too uh, you know, pessimistic, you know, try to, mm-hmm. to give it a positive spin and, and try to leave people with a little hope as opposed to despair, right? I think as writers, we should convey our emotions and uh, our concepts, be true to them. But then again, we, are very, we have a very powerful, we have very powerful tools in our hands to share certain ideas, concepts, emotions. And I wanted to leave the world a little better than I found it. So I tried to put a little optimism in some of the songs, but that can only go so far because you have to talk about real true life. Yeah. So yeah. that's another thing too. I'll tell you one thing about getting finally getting a chance to do a solo record is A, you get to self-express. You get to express yourself and that in itself is an amazing liberty. People want to talk about freedom and liberty. That's to an artist. There's no, you know, that's it. That's the, the that's the pinnacle. Yeah, that's it. That's the deal. Now I've always been in great bands and I've always had managers and bandmates. They'd lead you around, especially in journey. They'd lead you around like a little robot and say, Oh, Steve, do this. And all right, now go do this. And, and now do that. And we're going to do this and you're going to come along and you're going to do what we tell you. And I can tell you as sad as it was, to leave journey it opened up a whole new layer and a a new beginning where something ends something begins Mm. and i became my own i had to grow up real fast and become my own manager and my own i had to think for myself you know oh where do i go steve you have to learn where to go now you'll have to learn how to uh to manage a band and get a band from point a to point b and and uh so that was a beautiful learning curve that I really appreciate learning the business end of things mm-hmm. because I, you know, you could, if I was being ever taken advantage, advantage of, I would have never known it because I never had my eyes and my ears open. So that was a beautiful learning lesson too. And so now again, I've re- released this record seven ways till Sunday. If it fails, uh, you know, I'm responsible. If it succeeds, back to me. It's because of me. And uh, there's a great power in just being your own person. So that was a beautiful thing that I've come to achieve. So in early in my life of 64 today, and that's the story. That's, that's how I feel. That's the way it is. You know, the way you put that into words, it's beautiful. And I'll tell you right now, my friend, I relate to everything uh, that you just stated. When one thing goes bad, It'll kick you into the ground for a little while, but you get back up and then you find out, okay, I'm going to do it on my thing, but I'm going to try it on a different playing field. Oh, so inspirational. Anybody listening, great words of wisdom. And I totally get where you're coming from with that, my friend. And you know, Steve, as far as the album, 
it's an album that, you know, we, we all need real vocalists. We all need real music today. And this is a show dedicated to introducing the 80s and anything related to that. And you're a person who comes from even a career before the 80s, but went through everything that we talk about here on the show. It's an honor and a privilege to be able to introduce your music to a newer generation. So we, you know, our hats off to you. And we just thank you for taking the time to be on Back to the 80s Radio, which, by the way, started during lockdown we started during oh, really? yeah we started during lockdown about a million listeners later uh, we're just very we're grateful for let the me tell you something real quick you just dislodged something from my memory bank is that as terrible and as brutal especially in ground zero new york uh as this whole thing has been and it, at times it was i literally thought we're not going to get out of this alive, yep. like Jim, quote Jim Morrison. As bad as it was, when the smoke is clearing, it's not even over. That's a sad thing. But when it's all said and done, there's something to take away. You really need to uh, reset, the, hit the reset button and reassess your life. And you really, if you, you needed to find out what's important, shed the things that are not important, and just uh, really... It, you have to turn, you know, it's like a silver, silver lining situation. Yeah, yeah, Find yeah. what you could learn from this. And it is a, I don't know if there was a bigger learning experience in my lifetime than what just we just transpired yeah. and we just experienced. So hopefully everybody learns something and, and we can embrace each other a little closer. We could open our minds and be a little more uh, understanding, a little bit more tolerant. We hope so, Steve, because uh, we only have one life. And, uh, you know, I've, if something I've learned throughout all my years of living, at the end of the day, you, you have to live not one day at a time. You got to live one moment at a time. The album is Seven Ways Till Sunday. Uh, the website is steveorgiri.com. Come say hello on all those social media sites and uh you know, visit us on the YouTube channel, make a comment or two, subscribe, all that nonsense. But more than anything, enjoy the music. I hope you get a chance. I hope it gets from the CD or whatever, you, the speakers to your ears. And I hope you experience is a positive one. Enjoy it. What are we talking about? Unanswered prayers. Because you mentioned it. This is unanswered prayers. And listen closely to the background vocalist back there. It's Marge Raymond from ELO's famous evil woman singing along with me unanswered prayers enjoy sweet angel on my shoulder i have an unanswered prayer before it gets much colder tell me if her heart still cares
from the album Seven Ways to Sunday, this was Unanswered Prayers by Steve Ogeri. This was a cat that I remember seeing do a lot of Journey songs that Steve Perry had done. And I thought he nailed them in not only replicating, but adding of his own great style and range of vocals to the band. It made it sound very reminiscent of what made them famous. I was very uh, let down when, uh, you know, when they went and they got the new singer. Arnell Pineda is fantastic with the band. He is. Arnell, to me, is a step in front of, uh, do you want to be a musical talent TV type star? Like, I'm not going to say as cheap as a mask because that show is just shit. Anybody that like, I'm, oh, I, I, I don't want to offend anybody, but come on, that show is a lot of malarkey. To me, music, when they started filling in for older singers that were no longer in the band due to passing away or going somewhere else and, and not being who they were, you cheapen the band's legitimacy. But when you get a guy that can carry the band with different songs and a different album vibe, but yet still sound reminiscent to the guy that just left and give the ladies the kind of wind in the skirt, if you know what I mean. So if I'm not mistaken, you're trying to say that Arnell's presence is what is lacking. I would probably... Yes probably agree with you now this doesn't take yes. away anything that journey is a great band it doesn't take away anything that arnel pineda is a phenomenal singer and performer he's got that mm -hmm. not a you know nobody's arguing that from steve to steve's journey is like replacing ozzy with sabbath with deal both in their own right great talents both in their own right uh personalities of magnitude both in their own right great vocalists that merged with the band and brought the band its similar sound but yet its own sound if you can follow me to me it's kind of like acdc okay exactly acdc the yeah, first yeah. and second singer phenomenal yes. but then you bring the along great bon scott yeah, with bon brian scott johnson and then brian johnson uh, the replacement was perfect but then i don't know about brian perfect Perfect. Absolutely perfect. Slid and then in well. And then no, perfect. And then Brian Johnson can't sing and who do they bring along? They bring along a character from another band. Axel Rose, are you just talking about when, doesn't when Brian Johnson couldn't hear? Are we bring it in Axel Rose? He just doesn't command the same presence as a front man that he like did with bon Guns and, that he did in Guns N' Roses or that Bon Scott and Brian Johnson did with ACDC. You're listening to Back to the 80s. You ready? I'm ready to go. I was born ready. I'm on top <laughs> of your sister right now like I'm on Mount Rushmore. Oh, now, would you quit talking about it. my sister, Rusty? All right. Hey, hey, Rusty. I tell you What's what, that, I was listening to this radio station from the city, and boy, I tell you, they're having some kind of a sweepstake giveaway promotional or something, and I want us to call in because, uh... Well, who the hell are you listening to in the big city, Zeke? I, I don't know. I was just listening to some kind of a radio station. They're giving away prizes, and I said, you know, this is a prize both Rusty and me can enjoy. 
And I'll tell you what, they're giving away a package for two to go to the spa. I've never been to no spa, I think, spa? you know. Why don't you put us on one of them party lines and we'll call this so-called radio station to see what kind of gimmick it's going to take for us to get. I, all right, I'll tell you what, let me check here under my phone. I think, uh, all right, I think I dialed. Oh, uh, let me, let me dial here, this Sandy. number. I want you to sit on my lap as me and your brother get on a party line and, and call these cities. All right, you got to keep quiet, Rusty. You guys keep quiet in the back. All right, here. Oh, hold you on. Keep quiet when your sister ain't got a shirt on. Uh, oh, won't you quit talking about my sister like that, Rusty? Oh, come on, pick up the thing phone. Hey, how you doing? This is the Wobster Monsters. How you doing? Uh, welcome to the show. Today is a very special day because we're going to be giving away two tickets to wherever you want. All right. As long as we can afford it. And believe me, we can afford anything we want. We're going to send you there. Whether it be in a plane, in the train, in a car, or in a body bag, you're going to get there. So don't worry about it. Who we have on the other line? Hey, buddy. My name is, uh, my name's Rusty. Rusty Cooter. Call you all the way from over here from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Yeah, well, well we're giving away tonight, uh, you know, two tickets. Uh, who am I uh, speaking to, Zeke? Freak. Uh, but I can tell you that my name is Zeke, my my soon-to-be brother-in-law. I'll pack by your force, right not because I... Got a finger not because I want him to be, but he, oh my gosh, you can't stop talking about her. But uh, that's Rusty, and we're here. We're two good old boys from over here. We're not going to give you our location, but I can tell you it's smack in the middle of all the good old boys. <laughs> but what we're going to do right now is ask you this following question to both of you guys. Today is a special day. That's we're going right. to be talking about rock and roll bands Tell from New York. Tell them how special it is today. Tell them how special. Tell them right it's now. It's special. It's so special that you're going to get a little bonus trip down south and you're going to probably end up with a fish don't swim. If you, you understand what we're up. saying to you, Gimpy and Limpy? Are you guys ready? Oh, yeah, we're ready. Rusty, are you ready to get these? We're going to give you Italian style. He's a stumper. Hey, don't get stupid, okay? We haven't even asked the question. Oh, take it easy, Paisano. Well, I'm ready. Oh, Paisano. Name me one band from the beautiful state of New York from the 80s. That's all. Take it away. I'm going to tell you straight up, okay? You're going to bring up them good old boys of Leonard Skinner and them boys hey, had an you accent. you better not so. mess around with Leonard Skinner or Alabama. Do you understand me? You guys are a couple of side orders on a pastrami gone wrong. Anyway, my band that I'm going to name is none other than the boss, Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band. You can't get any better than that, Daddy-O. And don't tell me that Bon Jovi Bon Voyage is sissy like uh, wearing denim like a girl guy's band. He's going to win us this uh, You know what, R uh, Rusty? I was going to say talking heads, but I don't know, you know? You know what? Uh, you win. You you win because you gave a New York band. You didn't really answer the question, but you kind of did. Uh, hey, Tony, tell these lug nuts uh, what they're going to roll away with. Uh, I'm going to go cut us a, a couple of Cubans. Cigars. Uh, yeah, that's right. Cigars. Today, oh, you won a little down. prize. It's wherever you want to go, but it's on us, so it's basically wherever we want you to go. But we're going to give you guys uh, some tickets to uh, downtown Brooklyn, and then we're going to send you on over to Bleecker Street Pizza, and then you're going to do us a little favor because no trip, no trip of ours is going to be without doing us a favor. When you get to the corner of uh, the Chelsea Market, you're going to meet a guy. 
His name is Jimmy, Jimmy the Schnoz. He's gonna pull up in a black Cadillac. He's gonna give you a package. You're gonna drive it down about 37 blocks on the left. Once you pass police precinct, you're gonna drop it off in the corner inside of a, a purple bag. Is that all? And once you leave that, you guys are set to go. You guys can go have a night of your life there in uh, in, in New York. Hey, Rusty, do you believe that we're going to go down to Brooklyn, New York, and eat us some pizza with some... I, I tell you, I go. You come down to where I told you, you do us this favor, and then uh, we'll see where you go from there. In the meantime, ladies and gentlemen, these two hickory dickory docks ran up the clock, and you and I can go back to the 80s. Now, back to good, wholesome, politically correct entertainment. Oops, wrong station. <clears throat> now, back to the 80s with Toscano and Chang. If you just joined us here on Back to the 80s, we are talking about bands that were born in New York City that passed through and had their greatest moments in the 1980s. After all, this is an 80s show. Who out there, and do you remember a band called Living Color? Absolutely. Because... I thought Living Color kicked ass. Living Color, to me, embarked the vibe that I got with Sly and the Family Stone, Jimi Hendrix, and the godfather of soul himself, James Brown. Mr. Glover and company embarked upon rock and roll being African-American, Brothers and sisters is what I call them, and I'm not trying to be prejudicial. I believe that me being of brown ethnicity, Native American and Mexicano, that they are brothers and sisters, just like you, my brother, half and half. The Living Color was a band that came out in the 80s, and I mean, I think they floored the sound barrier music-wise, and they were incredibly energetic, colorful, and they gave you that vibe to not only bang your head, but dance a little bit on their videos. Living Color is a band to me that was not given the credibility they deserved in the short time that they were, but they were too quick-lived as a band. Odd that they broke up in 95, because in, in, in the 90s, that is the so-called era, correct, my brother? That grunge came in and killed what rock and roll was the 80s. Exactly. Never mind guys looking like chicks and everybody sounding the same and videos were king. Oh, no. Oh, that didn't come on. Everybody rock. did not sound Bands the like same. like Living Color and Pearl. No, they did not sound Enough the same. Enough of the grunge no. hate, but that's another show. And now, grunge, grunge came, that ruined it, but everybody did not sound the same. Band consisted of Vernon Reed as the guitarist, lead vocalist, Corey Glover. Yes. Drummer Will Calhoun and bassist Doug Wimbish. And one of the most popular songs that I remember from Living Color was Cult of Personality. It wasn't a, uh, a band that I chose to listen to. I mean, I never had any of their music. It wasn't my... It was it? it just wasn't my flavor of music. But it was a great band nonetheless. And you can always go check them out uh, because they're still performing today. They still are selling their music. They're still pumping out stuff. You know, they may have yellow hair uh, now, but that's fine. In the 80s, we seemed to be a little bit more understanding, compassionate, caring, and accepting. And today, nowadays, we are missing that. We are missing the boat. From a time we went from David Bowie, Boy George, glam metal, 
living color, tears to fears of Bill Collins, an era where everything was diverse, accepted, and everybody understood the emotion of the music to what I would call the Titanic of society and music. We are sinking. We are floating. Oh, no, we, we sank a long time ago, my friend. Without trying to save ourselves. We sunk a long time ago. Music went down to hell, stayed there, and isn't able to come back up. Wait, am, and I'm the hater? Yeah. I, I'm Johnny Hater? Uh, I'm just wow. saying, I'm just spitting out facts, my friend. Are you ready? I've got another band that I don't know if you are aware of from New York City. My God. This band embarked metal hardcore and i'm talking about none other than the capital a the top of the alphabet with anthrax anthrax is an ass-kicking metal band out of new york that they came upon the scene with a new york rocker look and that kind of new york we want to kick everybody's ass sound but yet anthrax also dove into procreating great music with hip hop they made the crossover really just like aerosmith did with Run DMC. Who did they cross over with? You don't remember? I know, because I don't listen to Anthrax, so I wouldn't know. Oh, my God, brother. <laughs> you got to remember, Anthrax was a band out of New York, okay? Rhythm guitarist, Scott Ian. Everybody knows who that cat is. You know what I'm saying? The bassist, Mr. Dan Liker. And these cats were known in the same breath as Metallica, Megadeth, Slayer. One of the first bands, and they crossed with Public Enemy, in their number one single. Do you not remember the hip-hop that they did with Public Enemy? I had, How could you not I know? don't remember. I don't they remember. They crossed the bridge to me and made it more street and more believable and more from your heart than Aerosmith and Run DMC. Run DMC and Aerosmith had a catchy tune, Walk This Way, but it was kind of poppy. But when you go down to Public Enemy... Public Enemy was telling you a story about real life, real bullshit racism, getting put in your place, not getting to step ahead. What it's like to be poor when there's no opportunity where you make your own opportunity. And when they cross over, I'm talking with Public Enemy, it blew music apart in the 80s. Yeah, MTV sucked up and absorbed it as much as they could and make it as glamorous as they could, which is good because at that time, when you cross one race or one way of life with another and you collaborate to create something that you both feel, that you both can send a message, hell yeah, put a camera on that shit. It's better to put a face on change than talk about change. Top notch, top 10 in both of my loves of metal and hip hop. Public enemy, baby. Those cats were badass. And so was Anthrax. Okay, and on that note, let's take a quick break when we come back. We have more of Back to the 80s Radio. And during the few moments that we have left, we want to talk right down to earth in a language that everybody here can easily understand. I know your anger, I know your dreams 
to the 80s. Back to the 80s radio. We are here talking about the bands that traveled through the 1980s, but that started off in New York. And if you just joined us, welcome aboard this train ride on its way to lunacy. Now, I have a group here, a threesome, to be more exact. That was threesomes. Yes. That was born in New York City. Sorry, Mrs. Chang. The only threesome I ever had was you and the dishes. Now, this following group, they were actually born as a group officially July 1981, known as the Young Aborigines. I like that word. Yeah. But to us, it was a band formed by Ad Rock, MCA, 
and Mike D. And this is none other. Rest his soul, brother. Than the Beastie Boys. They achieved local success in 83 with comedy hip hop. They had a single single called Cookie Puss. Yeah, Cookie Cookie Puss. Puss. I've had many. But then their most popular album of all time, Licensed to Ill, that album was the album that launched them to stardom and to fame. And they have become one of the greatest rap groups of all time. And they are known as hip hop, rap, rock, alternative hip hop, punk, a hardcore, hardcore punk. punk yeah, bro. hardcore punk, alternative rock yeah. as well. So nice. go out and watch their videos from back in the day. You're going to be floored because they did everything. They wrote the music. They played the instruments. They and they did the filming. I mean, everything. It was just it was just their time. And they found mainstream success as well by way of MTV when they caught wind of them and they never let them go they were a big part in the formation of the way rap and hip-hop was to become in the near future when you first listen to them you know people were like wow these are some badass white boys rapping you watch these guys play those instruments yeah bro they're musicians Uh, another band that comes to mind that i know is one of your favorites i know it is (laughs) and it is a band that i do like but a band that I think went a bit soft. And I'm talking about of course. a band that starts with the F. Toscano, don't get all giddy on me. Yeah. You know, because I know you want to know what love is. Uh, absolutely. And I sure as hell don't. I know what love is. Absolutely. And I don't want to hear some guys sing about and tell me what love is. Now, this is a band formed in 1976 by a veteran British guitar and songwriter guy named Mr. Mick Jones. Oh, yes. With a a fellow British chap that he knew from a band called King Crimson, which is a band I'm familiar with. His name was Ian McDonald. Uh, They found a gentleman named, who was your favorite and also my favorite vocalist of this band, Mr. Lou Graham. I am talking about the legitimate rock band from the 70s into the 80s and abroad now with a new singer who sounds exactly like Mr. Lou Graham, Foreigner. I dig Foreigner all through 1979, but in the 80s, I have to tell you, I was shaken because I didn't want to know what love was because I knew and my heart was broken. But you do, did you Jack, not, do you not realize how great that song now, my is? My good friends Jim Beam and Jack Daniels eased my mind from knowing what love was too much. And I know you love Jukebox Hero. Great song, correct? Yeah, yep. hot-blooded. But I cannot stand by. I want to know what love is. Now, wait, 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 wait. Let me ask you a question. Why do you have so much hate for the power See? ballads? Do you see? Do you see? From their album, Agent Provocateur. The The name alone sucks. I said it. This album from December 7th, 1984, was the band's first and only number one album in the UK. It reached number five in the US. Yes. And their biggest hit of the album was the single, I Want to Know What Love Is, which actually turned number one in the UK and in the US staying atop of the charts for three weeks, and that, my friend, you can take to the bank. Now, here's my reasoning for that song and why I grew the way I did. It's because, remember, in the 80s, divorce was a normal 
leaving your your spouse with a kid was a normal. So, of course, when the song debuted, I want to know what love is. All these people that were succumbing to divorce or having children out of wedlock wanted to know the answer of what love was. Wait a second. Are you trying to blame a band? No, no, And all Lou Graham gave us was a head full of pretty hair and a sissy-ass song. Are you trying to blame Foreigner for divorce in the 80s? No. The thing is that you Man, that's another show. You know. No, you you hate anything that's poppy. You hate anything that's poppy. And anything that's really, really good as as a ballad, you hate. You hate popular music. No, so it's no, one of the no, greats. Wait a minute. It's one of the no, greats. No, wait, you see? Wait a minute. Wait, can I call you Anna? You sound like my wife. <laughs> Cutting me off. Why? Of because not. the two words don't go together. No. Power and ballad. Power is something lead to the fight. Uplifting. So you're trying to say to that ballads a cannot be strong. Ballad. No. When I talk about a ballad, a ballad does not make me want to go out and drive 65. A ballad does not make me want to go out and jump out of a plane, go play a sport. Power does. I want to hear some powerful metal. When I listen to a love ballad, I think of every girl that broke my heart and cry. Therefore, well, see, my power friend, and ballad do not go together in the same sentence. The difference when you bring a great band like Foreigner, who was classic power rock of the seventies, and you say, "Oh, they're a great power ballad band." Well, guess what? So was my so-called shampoo. You know what? You can find out what love is right after you listen to this set of songs right here at Back to the 80s Radio, hosted by yours truly, Toscano and Chang, on the one and only all-worldwide radio network, K-Hits 92.5, where you get the 80s vibe and you keep it alive. Now, here's a little story I got to tell about three bad brothers you know so well. It started way back in history with that rock and me. My team!
is what I expect. MCA was with it, and he's my ace. So I tried to piano play around. I punched him in the face. Piano player's out. The music stops. His boy had teeth, and he got dropped. My kid grabbed the money. MCA snatched the gold. I grabbed two girlies and a beer that's cold.
Oh, that's right, ladies and gentlemen. This is Back to the 80s Radio. We are back. Oh, we heard the Beastie Boys. And now an awesome one by Foreigner in the name of Chang, of course. We oh. just heard, I want to know what love is. Now, Chang had his lighter that he was lighting up as he was swaying back and forth like he was in the middle of church. We are back once again. Thank you for joining us on a beautiful, beautiful February week. It's a great week to be celebrating birthdays, Chang. As we all know, Chang and my birthday is this month. So keep an eye out for celebrations that are going to be loud and proud. However, I want to give you guys a little something that if you've been trying to reach us on our Facebook page, uh, the account has been hacked. Facebook has decided to lock me out of the account. And no matter what I try, no matter what I do, they will not let me back in. Uh, according to them, I just need to give them a picture of my ID. Now, why? Trust me, I was reluctant. I didn't want to do this. I denied giving them my ID for days. I finally gave in today and they won't accept the ID because the camera on Facebook side that takes the picture says that there's low lighting. I shot the picture outside and it doesn't work. Okay. So the point is, I don't know what we're going to do. We're going to try to figure out a way to solve this problem with Facebook. But we have a lot of our fans that are on Facebook. We have literally, literally between our page and our group, we have oh, almost about 15,000 people on our uh, face, on our uh, Back to the 80s pages. So, you know, we apologize, but we're trying to get Facebook to let me back in. Uh, turns out, Chang, one evening last week, my phone at around two or three in the morning kept buzzing and buzzing and buzzing and buzzing. And I look at my phone and there were just notifications from Facebook saying that people have been trying to sign on to my account from Indonesia, from Thailand, from England, from Australia, from San Francisco and so forth, all over the world. And when I tried changing my password, it locked me out and just hasn't let me back in since. So if you're wondering what's going on with the Facebook, uh, there haven't been any posts. It's because of that. We can also talk by Twitter. So look for Back to the 80s Radio on Twitter. We're there as well. Chang, before yes. we go, we are talking about the bands that were born in New York that traveled through the 80s. And one of the bands, or my last band that I wanted to bring up, or one of the bands that I wanted to bring up, was a band that had the weirdest videos on MTV. The band was composed of Scottish-born David Byrne, Chris France, Tina Weymouth, and Jerry Harrison. The band, of course, I'm talking about is Talking Heads. They were formed originally in 1975. Throughout the 80s, of course, they were extremely popular uh, because of MTV. And it was a mix between yeah, pop, runk. That's new, pretty much why they were known. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and anytime David Byrne came out with this, hum remember that humongous suit? With a incredibly oh, yeah. uh, wide shoulder pads and things like that yeah. was. You may ask yourself. Yeah, <laughs> it was Man, same, same, song, same as it ever that was. That song angered me. Yeah, I you didn't. You may ask yourself. It wasn't, it why wasn't am my I favorite sitting group. here watching this video? <laughs> and you may ask yourself, my God, how did these guys get <laughs> on TV? Yeah, it was pretty crazy. But this this was a band that came out and got very very popular during the eighties. You know, they're still doing stuff today. As a matter of fact, David Byrne was singing with Miley Cyrus, believe it or not. Yes. 
Now, that is something. Now, you know what? You can say what you want about the modern-day Miley Cyrus, but I got a lot of mad respect for her. I think she's grown up and she found her style. I dig everything Miley Cyrus does when she does kind of a a revamp of something of old rock or old music. I think she's got the chops. But we're not here to talk about Miley Cyrus or anything of the now. We are here to talk about 80s and 80s music, correct? Yes. Now, you brought up a band of... Okay, pretty significant talent, the Talking Heads. And before we end tonight's show, we will play a song of your choice from the Talking Heads. But I'm going to bring up a band right here that a lot of people don't remember. And uh, a guy that forefronted this band and went under the name of Buster Poindexter. I'm talking about David Johansson and the New York Dolls. Uh. Now, to me, the New York Dolls is a significant band because it captures what New York was, the toughness of being glam metal, the non-fear of being glam metal in an area where you grew up with getting your ass kicked, doing dope, or being from a neighborhood of the poorer ways of life. I think that guy catapulted way beyond the bandit. The guy became a pretty good actor. He was in a lot of things, collaborated with a lot of great artists. So my band before we end the night would be the New York Dolls. This band was formed in 71, but we're not talking about them in 71. Correct. We're talking about the move that they made in the 80s yes. to present themselves as hard rock, proto rock, glam rock, glam punk. And they existed from 71 through 76 strong. They came back in 2004 and 2011. I bring this band up. They had one album, but the reason I bring them up is because of David Joe Hansen and the solo work he did in the 80s, not only as a musical artist, but in the acting realm. All I can tell you is that your list was pretty great, and I really enjoyed uh, listening to some of the music here as I know that everybody listening to the show did. However, Chang, before we go, this is the time of the show that we talk about those things that made us angry back in the 1980s. And in honor of you, Chang, we now call them Changries. So, Chang, what Thank made you. you Changry back in the 1980s? You know what made me Changry back in the 1980s when we discuss... The East Coast, Bon Jovi. You know what else gets me changry? The band called Helmet. Why would you name <laughs> your band Helmet? You know what else got me changry? Back in the 1980s, that reminded me of the East Coast. People wanting to talk in Southern California like they were from the East Coast. You know what else got me changry? In the 80s, from the East Coast, the movie, The Breakfast Club. And that, ladies and gentlemen, has been this week's Changries. If you'd like to share one of your Changry moments, one of the things that made you angry back in the 1980s, go ahead and send us a message at back, the number two, the80sradio at gmail.com. That's the word back, the number two, the80sradio at gmail.com. Don't forget that we still have an issue with Facebook that we haven't been able to clear up and solve uh, the hack that we went under. 
And until we do, we would ask that you would leave your reviews of our show wherever you listen to us on. Uh, send us a little, a little positivity through your positive review. We love you all. This is why we do this show, because we love the 1980s, and we know that you do too. So until next week, I just want to thank you for being with us, and thank you in advance for coming back. This is the Chang. Before we release you to another Changtastic week and a Changerific weekend, remember, do not ever let yourself fall. You count just like everybody else. You matter. Stand up for something bigger than yourself or just finally stand up for yourself. Always keep a smile. Tomorrow is a better day. Until we greet you and meet you again next week, we are going to take you out with something from the talking heads. Now, you may ask yourself, how can I sit here and listen to Toscano and Chang? And that's because you love us because we love you and we wouldn't be who we are if it wasn't for you. I bid you all an adios. Arrivederci. Hasta la mañana. Hasta la vista. Hasta luego. Sayonara to all my bros and hoes from the beach to the O.C. Later. And to all my homies across every barrio in the States and beyond. Dorane. You may find yourself living in a shotgun shack. And you may find yourself in another part of the world. And you may find yourself behind the wheel of a large automobile. And you may find yourself in a beautiful house with a beautiful wife. And you may ask yourself, Yourself.